everyone, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the eighth episode of Riverdale Season 1, The Outsiders. I'm Mary Kukowski, and I am joined, as always, by the wonderful Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, welcome back to Season 1. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to get back into, you know, classic OG Riverdale plot lines. I'm so excited to talk to Hannah again. Yeah, and so as always, we are also joined by Hannah Elam. Hannah, it's been a little bit of a break. How have you been doing in the interim? I've been doing good in my personal life. I started training for a triathlon, a sprint triathlon. So I just came from a swim, still trying to get my swim good. So we'll see how it goes. And and after the podcast, you're going to go do a bike and then a run? Exactly. Or the other way around? Yeah, yeah. I think it's you finished with the run. run, right? Yeah. I always Once think it's so dangerous. I did a so team dangerous. triathlon, but as a team, and I only did the biking part, and my friend did the running and the swimming. <laughs> I feel like I, I am, the swimming would be the hardest. I am not a swimmer. I just can't. I can't. I get tired by swimming like one length of a pool. Yeah, I can barely swim at all. Like literally, I could die probably. And that, but running, oh man! Like I spend so much of my life being like, oh no, guys! Like I just have exercise-induced asthma, and I, it's just undiagnosed. It's fine. But the then after doing like six months of like five spin classes a week, I had to like run for the bus one day and I was able to do it without dying. And I was like, huh, so I've just always been fat. Cool. Great. In order to make myself work out, I had to have a like goal of a event to work towards. And so last year, my goal was a half marathon. And so I definitely like growing up never did any sports. And so having that goal really, really makes you uh, work for it. Yeah. Nice. I'm really proud of you. Yeah. Thank good you. Good job. Doing, doing and things like that. I've just been adding more TV to my list, so that's fine that you're out there working out. We're doing like a we're doing like a step challenge at work right now, so I have been wearing my Fitbit, and I think even just wearing the Fitbit makes me more conscious about how much I don't walk from all my jobs working at computers. So that is forcing me to like take a little walk during my lunch break and stuff like that. So we'll see if that if that helps at all. But anyway, for those for those of you who may have found out about this podcast recently or are popping back in since it's been a little while since we've updated our season one episodes. Welcome back or welcome if you're new. This is the podcast where we break down season one of Riverdale and at the end of the podcast we will have a spoiler section that's kind of talking about season one, maybe things from this episode that we are putting into context, context given things we know about season two and season three, especially since season three has just ended. I think we'll probably have a little bit more to talk about in that section today than we might typically. I mean, I make no promises. <laughs> But as everyone is aware or will be aware soon, I'm the laziest Riverdale podcaster because this is, of course, the only Riverdale podcast that exists. And uh-huh. Mary is the hardest worker in Riverdale podcasts. And Hannah is a close second. So right. Hannah and I take notes and Kirsten is just along for the ride. At the beginning of each of these podcasts, <laughs> I email Kirsten my notes <laughs> so she can Kate, just read along. I just I believe in working smart, not hard. Uh-huh. And why do I want to take duplicate notes to what you take when you're gonna take more detailed notes than I would anyway so and the other thing is that your notes help her know where the episode ends because sometimes she's (laughs) unclear on that right and just goes ahead and watches the next one only normally like four minutes you know that autoplay on Netflix really gets you (laughs) and like I'm also a little bit stupid so Mm -hmm. it's just really hard to be me sometimes but this time the episode ended and I was like stop stop I don't want to start the next (laughs) one and I'm so proud of myself oh gosh also for our critics 
folks out there, <coughs> Rob Sesternino, who maybe don't like the fact that we don't introduce ourselves enough. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Kirsten and I do some uh, Big Brother podcasting for Rob as a podcast, among other things. And Hannah is a newbie to the podcasting world, so she's jumping on. Right? Is is, uh, is the Riverdale podcast your first podcast, or were you ever on your sister's podcast? I did a cameo on my sister's podcast, but I have never done a full episode until the Riverdale recap. But yeah, so so while Kirsten and I know each other from podcasting and the reality TV world, Hannah is a longtime friend of mine from college, and now we are just sharing our love question mark for Riverdale, our, our at least our addiction to it. Something Our like emotions that. towards this show. <laughs> towards the show in general, right. So we took a little bit of break to finish up season three since things were going pretty crazy with that. But now we are back and hope to wrap up season one and move into season two relatively soon for the summer before season four returns since I don't think we have an official date on that yet. Hopefully it's not super soon. <laughs> I think it'll be September. Let's September hope. or October and I'm, I'm planning my flag on that. I am comfortable with that type of time difference. Ooh, okay. Well, so this episode of Riverdale, The Outsiders, uh, is it the most boring episode of Riverdale so far in season one? I feel like we had one more that was more boring than this before this, and I think I want to say episode three. That's what I I was going towards. I don't remember what happened. Uh, Well, but episode three was the slut shaming episode, so at least like it was like weird. It was topical. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, when I think back on season one especially the episodes we've already done this one just had nothing in it i was actually really afraid that this was a different episode but i think that's episode nine so yay i've got another episode to look forward to next week isn't that just a mood when talking about riverdale i've got another episode next week cool (laughs) and and the thing is since i watched all of season one in a pretty much one day binge the individual episodes really didn't stand out the first time around so it was easier to get past some of these dull moments because you were just using that autoplay function on Netflix and moving on to the next one. But yeah, so breaking this one down, there's really only two main plot lines. You've got your sort of Cooper family, mostly Polly, baby shower kind of plot line. And then you've got Fred Andrews and Archie Andrews dealing with the construction firm and also the serpent factor that may or may not be involved in that. So let's jump in real quick with the Jughead voiceover. Kind of a weird intro voiceover. Unlike, we we had an episode recently that was the one that started out with the kind of uh, classic Riverdale cartoon style where they were all dressed up in the clothes from the comic books. I think that was the last episode. Was that the previous episode? I know it was recent. So anyway, but this is another kind of interesting one where it's kind of a creepy montage of the Cooper family getting these pictures together taken and the Jughead voiceover over it says the Coopers the Stepfords of Riverdale high school sweethearts who got married and had two beautiful daughters Polly and Betty okay first off I feel like I mean you're dating one of them so like maybe don't say that they're both beautiful I mean not that they can't both be beautiful I just always think that's a little bit weird when someone does that like if I was dating someone and they came over and told me that me and my sister were both beautiful I'd be a little bit weirded out also just because it's a blonde wife doesn't mean they're Stepfords like the whole Stepford thing is like housewives who are like perfectly obedient and like bake and like you know what you like you know what I mean like the Stepford wife doesn't mean that you're like a perfect family in the way that the Coopers are a perfect family like I feel like they wouldn't be 
working? Is I don't it know. kind of the whole like they seem perfect on the outside, but they have like hidden secrets? I guess, but I just I didn't like the com- comparison. And the, also the smiles that they are sharing with each other and the looks that they're giving make them seem very strange and, and not like a perfect family. And they're definitely their facial expressions are reacting to the Jughead voiceover, which is pretty funny. So yeah, Jughead go- continues until Jason Blossom happened, and now we would hear from the person who was closest to him during the days leading up to his disappearance, Polly Cooper. How a casual conversation turned into an epic forbidden romance. How for reasons still murky, their respective parents tried to tear them apart. How their breakup was short-lived because Polly soon learned she was pregnant when Jason's baby. Alright, props to Jason here for at least, like, hopping on board once he realized Polly was pregnant. I've known several people in my life who have become pregnant in, you know, high school, college kind of age, and the, uh, the boyfriend or ex-boyfriend in question was kind of like, meh, well, you know, we broke up, so see you later, kinda, so at least there's a, at least he's stuck by his girl. But he's still creepy looking. Yep. Look, they could try so so hard, they just can't make Jason look either cool or hot. The thing is, is he will always look like a wax figurine. (laughs) Like, he doesn't look like a person. I don't know. And they they deliberately, in this sort of montage of the Polly-Jason relationship, they show mostly Polly. Everything is sort of over Jason's shoulder. And every shot of Jason is kind of slightly blurred or from an odd angle. So it's like they just still don't want us to know anything about him. I also really enjoy the fact that Jughead is like in the background of some of these scenes at Pops. It's like, was he actually there? Is this just like a narrative thing? I like the idea that Jughead is really just looming in the background of every scene. And it's like, is he really there? Is he really a person? Person? We yeah. still don't know. Unclear. Yeah, exactly. So we can dive into the whole Polly and Betty stuff. There, Polly is getting interviewed by Sheriff Keller about their plan to escape and the drugs that were in the back of the car and things like that. Because like we said in the previous episode, Betty and Jughead were at least smart enough to take pictures of what they saw in the car and show the police, which was a good idea. We were very impressed with that at the time. And so they do at least know that there were drugs in the car, even though it was then burned up. Yeah, which is good that it was burned up because Jughead left his DNA all over it. <laughs> I don't think they would have blamed him. They, they still they had said, his DNA though. Yeah, they said they saw fingerprints of him. Yeah, but it's also the kind of thing where it's like like a, a serial killer will, off, will often insert themselves into the investigation. Like, what if this whole series is coming to Jughead being like the big bad, and he, but he's involved himself in the investigation because he is a sociopath? I just don't think Jughead is smart enough to do that. Or strong well, enough. Well, it's not smart because that's how <laughs> they get caught. Yeah, I don't know. I just watched the uh, the Netflix movie with um, Zac Efron. The Ted Bundy movie? Yeah, with Zac Efron. I don't know where I was going with that. It just seemed related. He didn't really insert himself into investigations, though. I mean, he ser- he inserted himself into his own trial, but that doesn't well, really count. Well, Ted Bundy is like not one of the people who really did that that much, but yeah. he also did a lot of spooky stuff, like with Anne Rule when he was volunteering at the mental health phone line, and he would walk Anne Rule to her car because there was some sicko out there but he was the sicko so yeah anyways it's fine we don't need to talk about real murderers we can talk about fake murderers yeah let's talk about fake ones so polly said that he was supposed to make just a one-time delivery for the biker gang on the other side of the tracks now do we think that there are multiple biker gangs on the other side of the tracks because people keep acting like look it's not confirmed that it was the serpents but like if there's only one biker gang it kind of is the serpents then i feel like there has to be another gang because don't gangs have to have rivals otherwise who are they fighting why do they have to have a gang if they're not fighting anyone 
They're fighting their upbringings. Oh, God. That's deep. Oh, okay. We don't know enough about the serpents yet to get into this. And so then she kind of breaks down crying because the car had everything that she was going to remember him by, including his grandmother's ring. No, and she, like, cuts off when she says, because he was holding it for me until... Why? Like, why were you not just wearing it? Why did he have to hold it for you? Because they weren't supposed to be together. Yeah, but she didn't have to wear it on her, like, ring finger on her left hand. She could have, like, had it in a chain around her neck or, like, on her right hand. The chain could have worked because you could put it underneath t-shirts. But if Cheryl or someone from the Blossom family saw the ring, they could probably identify it and know and put two and two together and know that then Jason and Polly were engaged. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's also probably a good idea because I assume that if she had it when she went to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, it would have been, like, confiscated or something. Probably. But she wasn't, know. It was, that wasn't part of the plan was to go to Sisters of yeah. Quiet Mercy, so. Can we just talk real quick about how in this scene, she looks like she's 0% pregnant, and then in the scene with the baby shower when she's wearing, like, more form-fitting clothes, she looks way more pregnant. Like, I think sometimes they forget to put the baby bump in. Oh, yeah, that's definitely the case, because I was going to say, remember when we originally got the reveal that she's pregnant, and I was like, how is she this visibly pregnant? Shouldn't she be less? And you guys are all like, no, Kirsten, you don't know anything about pregnancy pregnancy <laughs> well look it's not it's not about you not knowing it's about the show not telling us the timeline here because i i feel like for the amount pregnant that she appeared to be she was clearly like six or seven months pregnant when we first saw her well and i feel like she is only supposed to be like three i don't know yeah it's confusing i've already forgotten what time of year it is i assume fall mm. do we ever know what <laughs> time of year it is in riverdale nope i think season two actually is easier to follow but season one's hard Anyway, so uh yeah, so they they're they're talking and she cries and they leave and I don't know. Betty's Betty kind of breaks everything down gossip hour with the friends. Okay, except it's like the friends and Cheryl. Why is Cheryl at school chatting with them about this in the uh, study lounge? What is this place because called? The, the student lounge. lounge. This is the student lounge. Did your school have a student lounge? No, definitely not. My school certainly did not. Um yeah. I didn't we didn't even have a cafeteria the first high school. We I had like to. We had like an outdoor area that you would go to between classes and it was kind of like this big courtyard thing. Everyone called it the breezeway because it was one of those things that just got passed down even though it's not a breezeway by definition. By definition, it's a courtyard, but that's okay. Wait, you had time between classes to go hang out? I mean, we had probably like 10 minutes between each class and it probably in our school because of the courtyard in the middle, you could like cut through the courtyard and get to places in like two minutes. So everyone would hang out for like five to six minutes. Huh, we didn't have that much time. My school was kind of a maze but we did have a big open space which was called the agora because agora means big open space that agora was like a fur what am i thinking of i thought agora was a angora because it's like because agoraphobia is like the fear of like leaving your house yes that's not what i was thinking of hannah what did you say did you have something my school just had a senior courtyard that you could eat your lunch in but it wasn't like only for seniors yeah only for seniors oh wow so elitist we had a like circle part of the breezeway that we called the senior circle and the seniors were only allowed to go in there. I don't understand school in America. Yeah, it was confusing. <laughs> there was like a hole. There, there was like the wall and the wall was like the junior wall and then there was like an area in the corner that was like the sophomore corner and like then the senior circle. Yeah. And I don't remember where the freshmen stood. Uh, in the cafeteria. Off to the side. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Somewhere else. Anyway. But no, we did not have a posh student lounge like this. But like I said, gossip hour. Everybody's there. The core four plus Kevin and Cheryl. Well, it is makes sense. Else there? It makes sense that the student lounge is there because 
they're not going to class and they can't right. have this conversation in class. Yeah, but why didn't they just have this conversation at Pops? Well, okay, remember. Like, why the illusion that these children care about their education? <laughs> so we kind of reiterate what we already knew about how the Cooper family wants Polly, but not the baby. And the Blossom family wants the baby, but not Polly. And Veronica makes kind of a weird reference to... Like, oh, it, life is hard when you have two Oscar parties that you have to go to and everyone else is kind of like, yeah, Veronica, this is not what we're talking about. Except for Kevin, who just constantly seems impressed with Veronica's money and fame. I feel like that's a little bit of a subplot that we haven't really dove, dove into. Divin. Dived. Dived? Well, I also feel like, like, I just, I don't think Veronica's that famous. Like, she's just a socialite. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe I don't really understand how socialites work, but, like, she's not, like, a Kardashian. It's not like she actually, like, why would she have connections? She's just a rich person. I don't know. I We need a New York expert to explain socialites to us. Yeah, like, did you guys watch the Gossip Girl? I didn't watch that. So. Yes, I watched Gossip Girl. I watched Gossip Girl, and I also watched a Bravo TV show called NY NYC Prep or something like that, where it was these high school students who were these elitist things, and they just basically hung out with each other and went to bars and got mad at each other for stupid things and wanted to go to really nice schools. But, but did it, they like? Yeah, have like it was celebrity in, friends. Like in Gossip Girl, like they were only celebrities to each other, and there's even like a plot point later on where the Upper East Side people are like don't even know the Upper West Side, so separate. Yeah, they're all. Rich and they do like volunteer type stuff, but it, the only time there's ever any notoriety is because the one character, Nate, is re- related to the Vanderbilts, who are like legitimately famous. You know what my reference for teens who are rich in New York is? The click books. <laughs> okay, so you're 14 years old. Yep, Anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I just think I don't recall them being associating with famous people. They would have connections to like designers and stuff, but that's a little different. And maybe their parents have connections to famous people, sure. but it doesn't always resonate with the kids. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so they're chatting about that and um, Veronica decides, you know, it'd be a really great idea to fix this whole baby problem. Let's have a baby shower. Sure. Woohoo. Actually, okay, that's a lie. The problem everything. is not the baby. The problem is the fact that the Coopers and the Blossoms are fighting and Polly is sad that her mom doesn't want to hang out with her. Which like I get, but also what did she expect? Her mom sent her away. Yeah, the second Does she think she's going to come home and her mom suddenly wants to hang out with her? I don't know. I would honestly like I would be even less trusting than Polly is. Like, I would be like keep me away from my mom and dad because they might send me back yeah, to Sisters she has of Quiet Mercy. No guarantee that she's not going back. I would be like I would never want to see my parents again. And is she supposed to be a senior, I think? I thought we figured out were juniors. I think she's a senior or a junior or so that's where it's confusing because then Jason is supposed to be the same age as Cheryl but then maybe Cheryl got held back yeah we think Cheryl got held back so if Cheryl got held back then she would be in the same grade as Jughead and the core four right but then they're supposedly freshmen right now they're soft they are sophomores yeah they're sophomores okay so okay that that holds I thought they were sophomores no they're sophomores because at the beginning they just started their sophomores 
sophomore yeah, year. Yeah, it's right oh, at the okay. beginning of their sophomore year because Archie was on the junior varsity football team last year, but he's somehow like co-captain now. I don't even know. Let's we're You know what? Timelines, they're not great. So, I mean, if I think Polly is supposed to be a senior, which would make her a year older than Jason and two years older than Betty, which tracks, it's just confusing when you factor in the whole Cheryl situation. Anyway. All right. So Jughead, he's so cute here. He's like, oh, am I supposed to come to this baby shower thing? And there's a kind of uncomfortable moment when Archie looks like a little weirded out by the whole thing. I've already kind of forgotten. When did they start dating? Didn't they start dating like last episode? It hasn't been long. I think it was maybe been two episodes since the like super cute moment at her window. Yeah, it's like one or two. It's been one or two episodes. Here's the thing. Jughead should not be expected to go to a baby shower if he doesn't want to. Like it's fine for him to be invited. I don't know of any situation where like the boyfriend is obligated to go to a baby shower, you know? Well, okay, if he was Polly's boyfriend, makes a little more sense. Even if he was Veronica's boyfriend at her house, the fact that he's Betty's boyfriend, I know you can have baby showers. I've been to baby showers where there are both men and women, but typically it's like just a bunch of girls. And so I'm not even sure like why Jughead, yeah, this was a weird implied invitation or like responsibility. It made it seem like he had to go. And I don't think he had to go. No, but it was cute. So I'm okay with it. It's fine. Anyway, but and then one of the worst lines of the episode when Veronica's, oh, you're Betty's boyfriend. It's fine, guys. It's just a word that starts with the letter B. I don't know. She could have just said like, it's fine. You guys are cute. You're a couple. That's the words we use. She didn't have to. I don't know. The whole word that starts with the letter B just makes me think of a lot of other things besides boyfriend. So. Whoa, Mary. No, I just mean (laughs) when you usually are saying the B word or if I don't know. Boyfriend is not. I I guess it's just weird. I just didn't like the line. Yeah, it was weird. And I kind of was like, I'm going to pretend this didn't happen because I didn't like it. And now we're dwelling on it. Yeah. um, But Alice comes in to yell at Veronica and Betty. This is one of just several conversations this episode that I'm like, wow, you guys needed filler for the episode because this conversation was unnecessary. I feel like there's about three conversations back to back that's like Alice doesn't approve of Polly living with Hermione and Veronica and she's like doesn't know how to feel about the baby and she thinks the baby shower is an idea and it's like three separate conversations trying to convince her to get on board. Well, and I also feel like Alice comes in like you and you with me with the same intensity when she was like it's Fred about is about the kids, the kids. <laughs> and like when it was about the kids it was about a kid literally having sex with their teacher which is a lot more serious than hey there's a baby shower and I don't agree with it yeah you can say what you want about Jason and Polly's relationship but at least they were like two consenting people no one was like of age with someone not of age it was it's not the same as the power dynamic with a teacher student like t- to me she came in with so much intensity and I was like girl like to, to be fair I think she was ref like I think this was her just finding out and confronting them that Polly is like in town and that Benny knows where she is and that she's living with with the lodges. I don't think that Alice knew that at this point. So maybe that's what she's referring to. Hard to tell. Yeah, I think it's being protective over Polly just being in town and and not staying with them. Betty, who has completely changed personality after the first couple episodes, decides to get in Alice's face and is like, you can either choose to be a loving and supportive like a normal grandmother or you can stay away. And uh, I love Alice recoiling at the word grandmother. That's funny. So well, she's young. She's a young. She's, she's a young grandma. It's fine. She's still hot. Yeah. So Hermione's a little bit nervous about having the baby shower all of a sudden because the Coopers and the Blossoms hate each other. And we have kind of been hearing about this on and off, but we don't, I don't know. Do, we don't really have like a huge full picture of this whole situation. 
situation at the moment, I don't think. Also, the Blossoms don't know that Hiram is the buyer of the land that they're building on. So there's just like a lot of tension and Hermione's kind of keep things, wants to keep things hush hush. I do love, there There are some good lines this episode because I love when Veronica is like, oh, you could just talk to Alice mother to mother and try to convince her to come to this baby shower. And Hermione's just like, yeah, yeah, no, not gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's, she's so like, afraid of Alice. I mean, a- as she should be, Alice is terrifying. So Hermione does end up going to talk to Alice and Pop and she's kind of like, oh, you know, we were moms, we can do it and it's fine. And Alice, I think, is just kind of still stuck on the whole she's in high school thing. So I get it's like, it. Yeah, she's in high school and also she's super pregnant. So sorry. Yeah, it's kind of like time to get on board. It's not like we just found out about this. Polly picks Betty, the godmother. There's a five seconds in between when Polly says this to Betty and then Veronica just in the background. Oh my God. Like, why is she in this scene? Yeah, why is she there? How is it surprising that Betty gets asked to be godmother? It's like, not. It's like, it's like, yeah, okay, that's what's gonna, it's like when my sister asked me to be maid of honor. It was like, yeah, who else was she gonna ask? It yeah. was always gonna be me. Yeah. And I mean, Hannah, was your sister your maid of honor? Yeah, so I had my sister <laughs> and Julia. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm like, yeah, I feel like if you're if you're at all close with your sister, especially if you only have one sister, kind of like you should just do that. <laughs> I don't know. I know some people aren't close to their siblings, but this baby shower, my favorite shot maybe of the entire series is just Jughead carrying a tower of cupcakes like way out from his body. It's just so cute. Something about him in his little red sweater is just the most adorable thing. He kind of goes with his beanie and the only thing missing from that is that he didn't eat one of the cupcakes though oh yeah he really should have he should have eaten all of them there should have been a scene where they're like where's Jughead with the tower of cupcake cuts to him and he's got the wrappers of 25 cupcakes around him and like chocolate on his face and he's oh I'm sorry that would be more comic appropriate I just think that Jughead like there's something really endearing about you kind of fill in the gaps even though they don't explicitly state it in the show but it's like this is clearly Jughead's first relationship and he's you know he he probably never thought in his wildest dreams that he'd be with Betty and he's just kind of like here for the first time and he's doting and it's adorable. I just think that's really cute. Well, and so I guess with the whole inviting to the baby shower thing, it makes sense that Betty would recruit him to help set up, but it doesn't make sense that he would be required to also attend the baby shower. Sure. So that's where like I thought this scene was cool because it's like, yeah, he'll help put the cupcakes up or other things. Yeah, that again, does Polly actually know any of these people besides her family invited? Like she's talking to the, she's not talking to, I don't know if Josie was there, but she's talking to Val and Melody and it's like, does she know them? Yeah, I feel like they didn't invite anyone that Polly would have known from school at all. They only invited younger people. Can you not just grab three random extras to pretend to be Polly's age and show up? There's no way that she doesn't have any friends unless she's supposed to be actually older even than we think and she's supposed to be graduated and her friends aren't around. But then that just like breaks the whole show. I I think, and they've mentioned many times that she was really popular and she was on the cheerleading squad and whatnot. But sometimes yeah. getting pregnant can make you somewhat a, a pariah. True. Which is a word used in this episode. But another thing is that having just high school students doesn't make for a very successful baby shower. The whole point is that having a baby is really expensive so you have some of your friends pitch in so that you don't have to buy everything yourself. <laughs> yeah, although like the Blossoms are rich and they give some stuff. Actually, okay, so the Blossoms come in and the music just immediately changes to this little goofy like dun, 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 dun. I don't know they they do like this very specific oh the Blossoms are coming in it, it was a little sitcom-y from, 
for my taste. I mean, well, and Cheryl comes in and she's got this like huge old timey stroller and she's like, we brought, we bought the best stroller money can buy. And I believe that that is the best stroller money can buy because it is absolutely stunning. Like it's so beautiful. I think we have a difference of opinion here because when I think of like the best stroller money can buy, I picture big and sturdy, got a bunch of pockets to like put your diaper bag in and the whole thing where you can convert it so that you can have the baby sitting up facing forward or lying down. And this is like old fashioned pram on wheels. So, okay, but like, what about the aesthetics, Mary? Okay, I'm just picturing this is beautiful. You, you're gonna be bumping that down a cobbled street and it's gonna fall apart. I mean, it had a huge hand crank. I don't know what that was for, well, okay. but so just for the record, I'm never gonna be pushing any baby anywhere. But <laughs> if I w- did, that is the pram I'd want because it's beautiful. It was very, I don't know, Mary Poppinsy or something. I don't even know what I'm referring to with that, but whatever. I, it kind of goes with the Blossom aesthetic, though, because, like, Nana Blossom comes in with them, and she has, she's, like, her wheelchair is also really old-fashioned, so. It's, like, one of those, like, wicker chairs. Yeah, Grandma Rose, or Nana Rose, whatever, she looks, she looks like she is in, like, Bran's wheelchair from Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's very Like, the similar. first wheelchair. It's very similar. And then Nana Rose uses a crystal to predict that they're gonna have twins yeah she's like this will sense the baby's aura and it will tell us what gender the baby is and then she's like oh my god twins one of each and i don't think that that type of wives tale thing is that specific i just i don't think that's real i don't know and you're supposed to use a wedding ring and then it's supposed to be whichever way it turns tells you the gender which obviously is complete bull but then we get probably kirsten's favorite part of the episode where alice gives polly her nightlight that she had when she was a kid that Kirsten loved so much in the previous episode where we saw that. I literally hate you, (laughs) Hannah. I was like, what is this creepy nonsense and why is it back on my TV screen. Like, why? Why is it here? Yeah, sure. It's cute to keep it or whatever. If someone was like, hey, Kirsten, here's the purple crayon nightlight that you used when you were a kid. I'd be like, oh, that's cute. And then I'd be like, cool, moving on. The purple crayon nightlight was actually cute. It wasn't horrifying. Nightlight that Polly has looks like Jason. It's so scary. (laughs) Maybe that's why Polly likes it. Okay, I I don't know. I kind of disagree, though, because this is just making me think about I I had a baby blanket growing up. God, now I'm feeling I may have already told this story who knows whatever I had a baby blanket growing up and my mom got me the same baby blanket just a couple years ago like when I graduated college to like pass down and give to my kid like not my same one like that would be ratty but she got me this online found the same one um that's really cute but I feel like she should have kept that blanket to give to you when you were pregnant and then given you like a copy of oh the places you'll go or whatever it's called oh gosh look I don't know no because the thing is they had stopped me making the blanket so she needed to like buy it real quick and she yeah but she could have like it. kept it in a closet or something uh, i don't know Maybe. sorry to criticize your mom i'm sure she's a lovely woman wow i'm gonna tell her you said that that i think she's a lovely woman <laughs> Please do. Please pass it along. Uh, anyway, I loved the the sheep mobile that Polly got, though. That was cute. It was really cute, but I feel like the purpose of a baby shower is to get useful things, not design <laughs> Just, type things. Everybody opens up. She's got a pile of diapers in the corner. That's what it should. You should get the cake made of diapers and bur- blankets for burping and stuff. Like, I feel like the mo- mobile is, they might have a very specific design in mind for the nursery. And like, maybe sheep don't go with that. It was cute. And I liked it. But I was like, what if she does? doesn't want a sheep mobile and now what a wasted gift. 
I don't think that she has a theme going on because it's not she even doesn't clear have if she's either. able to stay with Hermione once she has the baby. So it's like there's no theme. She has zero long-term plans. Even more reason why she should have been given useful gifts. <laughs> like her and the baby might be living on the streets in six months. They need something they can use on the Where's streets. Where's the crib? <laughs> yeah, there's rich people there. Where is the crib? Okay. So Archie storms in now. So this is like a little subplot of the other plot we're going to get to later. He basically storms in and is confronting Jughead about like Jughead's dad being a serpent. Archie, read the room. How did he even get in this building? I mean, this is just the worst idea ever. He is such a little, a little But it's fine boy. because we love Archie. He's such a little idiot. No, shut, Manic, <laughs> shut up. What did you just say? <laughs> He's fine because what? We love Archie. She said it's fine. Oh, go no. away. Oh, my God. Yeah, Leave exactly, this right? Hannah, you're grounded. You I'm can't come on you three more episodes. <laughs> I'm kicking you out like Alice kicks out Hal. <laughs> Get out! Get out! Get out! I just, I don't understand. You're right. Like, how did he get in? Why does he think this is appropriate? It's a baby shower. It's going to be over in an hour. <laughs> not only he that, can't wait. he lives with Jughead. Just wait till Jughead gets home. It's like, not like, oh, I can't talk to him until like tomorrow. Oh, it would have been so much better if he had like, Jughead gets home and there's just like, you hear the click of like a light getting turned on and then it's just Archie being like, oh, so you're finally home. <laughs> huh. Like a real dramatic like parent when like the kid yeah. This is curfew. So Kirsten, when do you become a writer on Riverdale? I actually, I have a big secret, guys. I've been writing since the beginning of season three. That's why it's so confusing and bad because I'm stupid. So I can't tie the plots together. Oh my gosh. So great. <laughs> Just wait for that dramatic Archie moment in season four. <laughs> So Cheryl and Penelope invite Polly to live at Thornhill and Cheryl is like, Cheryl's all genuine about it, but I don't know. Has Cheryl forgotten that her family is just horrible people? Uh, And then when Alice starts to stand up and talk about how Cheryl's family are horrible people, Cheryl is like, she would be so lucky to live here. And then Betty's just like, you're not helping Cheryl. (laughs) Cheryl, sit down. No, you're not Cheryl. So Cheryl wants Polly to stay there because of the connection to Jason and now she has Jason's babies and so Cheryl lost Jason that she loved so much and now getting at least a part of him back would be good for her. I don't get why she's like standing up for her parents though. That's that (laughs) I think think she's just like blinded by love for the unborn baby. Okay sure yeah I mean I do at least think that Cheryl's heart's in the right place here but then Polly is kind of right she just starts yelling at both of them and saying like this is why Jason is dead because you guys fought a lot which I guess kind of I mean we don't know why Jason's dead but I guess he felt the need to run away because of the fighting so yeah it it was just a whole thing and it's like okay cool I forgot this show's about Jason Blossom anyways the the baby shower kind of breaks up after that though and Polly's just generally upset with Alice for sending her to the sisters of quiet mercy and Alice is like yeah I understand but I want you to come home now everything will be great and Polly's like yeah but dad is like you know he tried to make me have an appointment with a doctor I don't know why we can't say abortion in this show well it's on the CW I guess like but we can talk they about can murder? show yeah they can show murder they can show underage sex but abortion is just off the table apparently I think it's one of those things where they're like 
trying to talk about like a super important topic, but they just kind of miss the mark a little bit, just like with the slut shaming stuff in a couple episodes back, right? Yeah, it is a kind of similar thing. I didn't, I didn't even really think about it a whole lot, mostly because I really was reading it through the lens of how like forcing her to do this basically. So, or, or attempting to at the very least. I'm not really sure why they didn't go through though. I guess it must have been right at the same time that Alice got the Sisters of Quiet Mercy people to come around. Either way, it's very clear from this conversation that Alice did not know about this. Yeah, Alice had no idea and she is extremely triggered by it. Yeah. However, <laughs> we then segue away from that plot for a second. Come back to it. First, <laughs> we have a, a, a moment with Jughead and Betty where they're kind of talking because Betty has now figured out about the whole Jughead's dad being a serpent situation and they're both just kind of like, oh, you, we need to be more honest and if we're going to do this thing together, which I guess like, okay, they're in a relationship now. Yeah, they kind of just kind of jump to that because I really do think that it's been like two episodes of them occasionally kissing and that was about it. Yeah, but I feel like that's what a, rela- a, a relationship in high school, that's how it starts. Yeah. Like there's not that much of people like dating around. I feel like you like, like someone, you start dating them, you date them for a while, then you break up, then you date someone new, like in the context yeah. of high school. Yeah. So they go to talk to FP and they ask about the drug deal with Jason Blossom and he says pretty much the same thing Polly did. Oh, he was a kid. He wanted some money. We gave him some stuff. We assumed that he just ran away with it. And th- and then when he washed up, you know, murdered, then we thought differently about it. There's kind of a little tense moment where Jughead decides to go ahead and ask if FP had anything to do with the murder because it hasn't really br- been brought up at this point. And FP says that he's not a perfect fa- father, but he's no killer. And what did you think, especially in the lens of the first time you watch a show, did you buy this from FP at this moment, Hannah? So I think it's hard to buy it because in the last episode, we get the shot of him having Jason's jacket. And so- So we know he's involved in some way. Right. We know that there's some reason that he has this jacket. Um, And I think the jacket we saw was in the car, right? So he at least burnt that car up or knows someone who burnt the car. And so he's involved, but we don't know how. And with the drinking, it's just hard to see him as a reliable character at this instance. But he's already been pretty close to losing his son. So then admitting to being a killer or to having some involvement at this point could push Jughead over the edge to not be with his father anymore. It's tricky because we definitely know that he's hiding some stuff from both the viewer and also sort of Jughead and and Betty and things. But he also just comes across so genuine in this episode in in a couple other scenes in in particular as well, where it's a little bit of a difference from the last couple of times we've seen him where he's not really drinking as much. Like he was was drinking in this scene, but it came across more, I don't know, like sad. Yeah, well, I don't know. It, It just seemed a little bit different than it, it seemed really off it seems like something has really changed since the last episode yeah something like that so I'm not really sure what to think about that but but they leave and and Betty asks Jughead you know if he believes his father and Jughead says he does and Betty says that she believes Jughead so I think she probably is not completely convinced one way or another but stand by her stand by her man so there we go and then we get the Alice yelling at Hal scene and we kind of foreshadowed this for but she talks about how they 
that, that Hal trying to set up this appointment for Polly is something that he apparently also did to her a long time ago. And we don't know when, we don't know why, we don't know the circumstances of that. But definitely got some secrets. I think he did hint that she wasn't ready for it. And so with this, we could think that it was before was Polly. Yeah. Before Polly was born. Yeah. So it comes across as like something that happened when they were much younger. And then it comes across as like Hal made an appointment for Alice and made that choice for her and forced her into it when she didn't want to make that choice. So it, it kind of like comes full circle and shows why Alice was so triggered by finding out that it happened with Polly. I get, but also at the same time, if Hal has done this to Alice, why was she so surprised to find out that it had been done to Polly too? Like that to me is a little bit confusing. But I mean, my guess is when it happened, it was a really big deal and she probably told Hal, you know, was very upset about the situation. And so maybe she thought that he had changed. Maybe she thought that was just something that had happened when they were younger. Maybe she had really fought with him about it in the past. I don't know. Clearly, she did not think he would have done this again. Yeah, so. I think the fighting is a really good point because if this was such an issue for her that she got triggered, it, it can be hard to talk about it, but you would think that she would at least express in the past when it did bother her because she has no issue sharing her mind, like what she's thinking. So it's like if something bothered her in the past, we would think that she would have at least expressed that. And so it's just very hurtful to have the same actions repeated again. Yeah, definitely. Then she kicks him out and she gets very dramatic, which is understandable. It's an emotional moment. Yeah, they both are are screaming in this scene. Hal seems more upset about the fact that the blossoms are involved more so than just the fact that there is a baby in the picture. Like he definitely seems, I don't know if you get the feeling if this was a different kid, he would be upset, but not as upset. The baby has blossom blood. Shut up, Hal. What's wrong with you? I didn't, I don't understand why Riverdale has to be set in this period where there's all these, I don't know. I, I just hate the family drama when we don't really get the context for it. I love the fact that the the Andrews family is just like not really involved in drama in the same way. Just kind of chilling off to their side. I mean, I guess they have drama with FP. I mean, but. they do, but it's, yeah, we caught FP stealing, so we fired him. End of story. Whereas it's like with the Coopers and the Blossoms, it's for generations we've ha- always hated each other. And I can't even be around someone with Blossom blood. But why? Tell us why. We don't know. You know? We don't know. <laughs> but just tell us why. We'll find out. Riverdale. Um, it's because Kirsten's not writing on the show yet. We'll find out. Right. We will find out in season three. And I'll come I'm up sure. with a really good reason for it too, guys. Yeah. Like, it'll make total sense and it'll really fit in with everything we've seen thus far. Great. I'm excited to find that out. Uh, all right. So let's get into the other plot line, the Archie and Fred Andrews plot line. So Archie and Jughead are playing video games and it's cute. I don't know. I guess they, they, they're they like living together and they're hanging out and having fun. And Fred is getting ready to break ground on the Sodale project. Yeah. And so Fred comes in and he's like, wow, it's ripe in here. Maybe you should open a window. Okay. We don't really need to hear about how guys smell bad. Like every Everybody knows. And then he's like, wow, it's like a college dorm and you guys are roommates. What am I? The RA? And Archie's just so creepy. He's like, no, you're the third roommate. It's like, shut no, you at this point in your life, it should be a father-son relationship, not a friendship. He's trying to like make his dad feel better about the situation when his dad clearly is the RA. Well, and there's a couple other instances in this episode where we get the feeling that Archie really wants them to be more like friends, and Fred kind of entertains that idea and it's just maybe it's because mary andrews is not around and so we get this idea that oh my Fred 
need someone to vent to in some way but it really does they should have that separation between father and son i'm sorry her name is molly ringwald i have no idea who mary andrews is. mary andrews the name of the character that you apparently can't remember but yeah i think that's a really good point hannah and it's just annoying because it doesn't feel right and doesn't feel authentic and also just like watching these old episodes like this is the first season one episode i've gone back to watch since luke perry and like it's just every like it's st- literally still every time is like a stab in the heart. I'm like, oh, Luke, gone too It really soon. is. It like, really it, it's is. just hard to watch. Like, I think we're going to continue having these moments as we rewatch because it is just, like, so fresh. And, like, I don't know why I feel so affected by this, but I really do. Like, I'm like, oh, Luke Perry. And I think some of the fact that the first several episodes of this season were Archie, like, really rebelling against his dad and acting more like, angsty teenager, it makes this role reversal a little bit weird in this episode. Yeah, it, it is just very bizarre. So Fred's team uh, of, of crew, his crew leaves to go work for Clifford Blossom, who has promised them two years of work. And Fred's understanding, but very upset, obviously, about this idea because he needs to get work for this so or he needs to start working for this Sodell project immediately. And he's having a lot of trouble finding more guys to do the work. And Archie is like, oh, why didn't you tell me the business was in trouble? Like, what would, why, that's not a thing that your parents are necessarily supposed to tell you. Like, my parents don't tell me, like, how much money they make or or anything like that's not really a thing yeah it's it's the thing too where fred is literally like i am hemorrhaging money i we're gonna lose everything and this is very much not the stuff that a parent needs to be worrying their kids about unless it's a situation where it's like hey like i seriously need you to get a job to help pay which like no kid should have to do that does happen in this world which sucks archie gets upset because his dad is trying to protect him and like that's what a good parent does is try to protect their kids you know so i can understand fred at least sharing some some of the information of what's going on or at least saying hey the business is having some trouble so we're gonna have to make some cutback on our spending but it doesn't make sense that Archie is mad that Fred has not shared what's bothering him like yeah. like you said he's he's supposed to be protecting him yeah absolutely yeah so Fred confronts Clifford Blossom and there's a great line where Clifford's like oh you know I just need to stick it to your boss who's who's buying up the land and Fred's like yeah that's fine except you're bleeding me out too you pompous ass i love that line i loved it and i also i need to know why clifford is wearing that hat clifford needs to stop wearing like clifford was wearing like a newsy cap right yeah it was it was and i was like why like why are you dressed like dane from big brother canada (laughs) topical reference hey it is i'm sorry that hannah doesn't care (laughs) even you watched big brother canada seven mary Uh, yeah i guess i guess so archie gets his pals to work for fred because teen labor is a thing and (laughs) Like, no way are kids this nice. If it was your best friends, maybe. How close are Archie and Kevin really? Kevin is best friends with Betty, not with Archie. And I guess Jughead's there, that's fine. But, like, Moose is there and a couple random other guys. I didn't really pay attention. Was Reggie there? I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, it was very bizarre. And I mean, I'm sure that Fred is still gonna pay them because, like, he would have paid anyone who was working. But it's not not the fact that they shouldn't be paid. It's just, like, this is a a job. Your company cannot just be made up of teenage labor. I don't know. Whatever. Then, uh, so they do some work and a few Narchi and Jughead talk about how their dad's lives are not for them, but they're supportive or something. And then Moose forgets his phone and then he sees some thugs beating up, like, a generator? I'm not really sure what that thing was. Some it electronic 
it just looked like one of those yeah it just looked like one of those really big lights that you use like a big spotlight for a crew so it was some kind of construction equipment but like not the most crucial construction equipment yeah and they just kind of beat it up and then they beat moose up but they're like hitting moose with like a crowbar and some like hedge clippers i don't know it seems like a weird thing to do and then sheriff keller shows up and sheriff keller's kind of useless in this scene he's just like oh i don't think clifford would hire some thugs like why why do you think that what has made you think that just the fact that he's a person like he's a rich he's guy rich. i mean i yeah i don't know I, I i don't know and so archie all of a sudden out of nowhere decides that he think it thinks it might be the serpents who beat up uh moose and i think this is like one of those things where archie kind of gets an idea in his head and he's like yep this is correct i have no evidence but i'm going with it <laughs> that's every time archie gets an idea and jughead steps in and is like no no like the serpents never bothered me when i worked at the drive-in but like yeah dude because you're like they're your dad's son like that's why they never bothered well, it's like you. except for remember when the serpents were literally hanging out at the drive-thru dr- sorry drive-in remember when the serpents were hanging out at the drive-in specifically to drive the value down and cause trouble sure but so, they weren't like weren't bothering jughead specifically but yeah but like, i'm just saying that's like, this, why this what argument doesn't, doesn't hold water yeah, yeah exactly i was anyway. just supporting your point <laughs> okay great um <laughs> uh and then archie's like hanging out with val who has like two seconds of screen time this entire episode i, I missed this yeah. like what they're hanging out for like a couple seconds and val is just like archie archie talk to me and he's like no i gotta go action and then just leaves her in his room like if i'm hanging out with my boyfriend at his house in his especially in his room and he just like storms out i'm like okay i guess i'll see myself out then who does this archie's the worst man it would suck to date him do you think she just like waited there until he came home i would hope so oh. i have no idea i would hope not i'd hope she'd have more self-respect well i don't know like maybe she wanted I guess to maybe snoop she's or something yeah i have I no know. idea okay anyway so archie tries to get jughead to come to the serpent's bar with him because him and moose are going to try to id the guys who beat him up on this hunch and betty is like no don't go the serpents are dangerous drug dealers and chuck is like wait a second what since when um and they're like they like, both betty and archie just like have have decided the serpents are these terrible people and i mean we don't really have any like evidence to the contrary but they kind of just seemed like some rowdy people like in the back of the movie theater yeah, that's really I, all we've seen of them i feel like um seeing like archie and betty's reaction it just shows that like in riverdale there is this dichotomy between the north side and the south side they truly are so scared of the serpents for no reason they've been told they should be afraid of them so they are also is it the south side of the train tracks like or the south side of the river do like, you think that it? the town is divided well they by say the other side tracks? of the tracks well, i don't know it's that's the how south they side reference of something it. well and like other side of the tracks also just means like a bad neighborhood yeah but isn't i get it? the feeling that in riverdale it's literal <laughs> well then i guess the town is split we've seen train tracks by, train tracks. by yeah, pops I'm with it well, I think it's so it pops, pops like right on the edge of town. It's either like the first thing on the south side or the farthest thing on the north side. It's one of the two. It's it's on the north side. I I'm gonna look this up because I'm not so sure. It no, it's definitely in the north side. It's it's mentioned as the center of the but town. But I, I would believe that it's like yeah, like I would yeah. believe it's like the furthest south thing on the north side. They okay. wouldn't be hanging out well, there. Well, googling the south that side. just gave me a bunch of K-pop information. So that's not what I meant when I was talking about north or south. Anyway, <laughs> so that didn't work. So Archie and Moose and Kevin and Joaquin go to the White Worm. I think this is our first sighting of the White Worm, I want to say. I think you're right. 
And it's a you know pretty cool bar. There's a lot of people there. I don't know. I mean, biker bars are probably generally kind of. It, it really looks like I've never been in a biker bar, but it looks like my. It's also in the middle of the day, bar. so let's hope that this is a weekend and not when they're supposed to be in school. Yeah, I like. I've never been to a biker bar, but I've definitely been to my fair share of dive bars, and it's like pretty accurate to that. Also, dive bars are so much more fun than every other bar. What's a di- like? What's the definition of a dive bar? Like a dive bar is like sometimes it'll be in a strip mall, and it's just like a kind of crappy bar where like drinks are cheap and you go and have a lot of fun my sister used to work at this dive bar in edmonton called bo diddley's and i've had some of the most fun nights of my life at bo diddley's okay it looks like a neighborhood bar locals or disreputable sinister poor upkeep yeah that part, detriment that's what to I the meant. community <laughs> anyway great learn something new every day anyways dive bars are more fun than regular bars and you should definitely go to one good to know i think jazz but bars like are bring the best, a though. friend if you go to a dive bar don't go alone someone tried to like kidnap me once and okay. I was like no right so much fun. <laughs> anyway, so Kevin and Joaquin play pool for all of exactly 10 seconds, which basically just served for Joaquin calling Kevin preppy. That was basically it. Also, what is Archie <laughs> doing wearing his letterman's jacket? Like, why does he wear it everywhere? Like, this is not appropriate. It's not just wearing it everywhere. He wears it at the exact inopportune times. Don't wear it to a funeral service and don't wear it to this. Don't wear it when you're trying to blend in and not look like a high schooler and also not yeah. look like you're from the north side like he looks like such a nerd <sighs> and it's like i'm surprised he didn't get punched in the face the minute he walked into that i've bar. gotta say this whole episode felt the most like something that could be in the what? comic books like i just feel like i can picture a scene in a comic book of archie in his letterman's jacket like trying to save the day and call somebody out in a bar going to maybe not in a bar going up to the biker gang and yelling at them it just seems like the most corny like, oh archie thinks he's a hometown hero kind of thing <laughs> i don't know what to say to you right now because i just disagree <laughs> fundamentally mentally all right well maybe someone will agree with me but yeah so archie just like grabs a dude and is like hey how do you feel about beating up teenagers whoa you don't you don't even know that this guy was the guy i like how they're like hey that guy it's looks the back of him it's from behind the guys yeah. are wearing hoods like you there's no way to know what this person looks uh. like and then when archie comes up being like so how do you feel about beating up teenagers it's kind of like he's <laughs> inviting him to beat him up it's like so how do you feel about beating me up today i enjoyed it a lot it was great yeah and so then fp left Luckily comes down and Archie is like, what? FP's a serpent? OMG. Also, weirdly, even though they're at a bar, FP looks like the least drunk in this scene. Like he seems the most genuine and with it. I feel like that's part of the reason why I felt so trusting of him in the scene with Betty and Jughead is just because he seems so genuine in this scene when he's talking with Archie about how he doesn't hold a grudge against Fred and it wasn't him and the serpents who, who beat Moose up and like are trying to sabotage the project so I don't know that came across really genuine to me yeah it seems like he seems like more like nurturing and genuine and like a dad yeah because he like calls Fred to come pick him up like he's doing doing right by by Fred yeah he's like I called your dad the minute you step foot in this bar and it's like that's what a real dad would do yeah and then Fred shows up and also like blames FP and if he's like dude can I stop getting blamed for stuff you're taking care of my son I owe you a lot I wouldn't beat up on a kid also like Fred apparently didn't know that FP is a serpent now he clearly knew that FP used to be a serpent at one point, but... Uh. Yeah, so the impression I got is that maybe, like, when they started their business, FP had quit the serpents and was gonna be on the right side of the law or whatever. But I thought Fred fired FP because he was, like, doing shady deals with the serpents. Yeah, but I think that that was kind of a bridge. And so, like, he was stealing and selling stuff to people to make medical bills or whatever. And then Fred was like, get out of here. Oh, yeah, these mysterious medical bills. We still don't know what... Yeah, 
yeah, which, what are the medical bills? I don't know. But then I think FP was probably like, okay, well, I have no other option. Now I have to turn to a life of crime in the serpent. I guess. So, okay, we don't know what the time span of all this is. Because I still don't know, like, was was FP fired a year ago? Was he fired five years ago? I, we still have no kind of I clue. think it was a couple years, but I really, I don't know. Like, it could, you could tell me it was five minutes ago and I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't know. So anyway, there's a cute moment between Archie and Fred where they're talking about, oh, what if Archie's kids wanted to be a construction worker like his grandfather? Which really hit me hard with the whole Luke Perry passing away. So that was sad. And then Jughead and Archie are kind of apologizing to each other and they're like, oh, we're brothers. And now for my least favorite line, it tops the, it's just a word that starts with B line from Veronica, is when Archie is like, Jughead, you're like my brother. And then Jughead says, nice bro whisper, Archie. No, bro whisper, not a thing. Stop. What, what does that mean? What What's a bro whisper? I, I don't know because it sounds like he's trying to say like, like when you're a, like a, like a horse whisperer is like what it sounds like. But I think he's literally just saying like you whispered the word bro. Huh? Yeah, I don't like that. And I think we should move on from it. <laughs> it's my least favorite line ever. Okay. Anyway, then the closing of the episode happens. FP is having a little powwow with Joaquin and giving Jason's jacket in a duffel bag to Joaquin. And he says, how's it going with Heller kid? And Joaquin is like a little bummed because Keller seems to really like him. And so uh, I, like, I don't know. It seems like this whole relationship between Joaquin and Kevin was a setup and a plan by the serpents. And I'm kind of sad about it. Yeah, I hate that because I think they're cute. Yeah. So I don't love that. And then FP is like, we've all got a part to play, including me. And he cracks open a beer and he looks kind of sad. So that's sad. But then FP volunteers to work with the other serpents. They work for Fred Andrews, which I guess is fine. Didn't we already try the whole FP working for Fred thing like a hot second ago? Yeah, I feel like it didn't go great, but maybe it'll go better this time. So I guess that's like the shadiest part of the episode that seems FP may have had something to do with something just because he's benefiting from this. Yeah, something along those lines. It's a it's a little sus, but it's not like the most sus thing we've seen in a while. And then Hannah, what did you think about the conversation that FP and Hermione have here? So we learned that P has gotten some intel that tells Hermione that it's probably Hiram that hired the people and that now someone knows, now someone has told Hiram that Hermione and Fred are having a romance and so now we need to know who told them this information. I don't really know why FP and Hermione are so tight. Like I know that they had the deal as far as trashing the drive-in but it doesn't really make sense why they're continuing to be friends or helping each other out. These Somehow FP found out these guys were from Montreal. I, I don't know how he figured that out. One of the serpents was doing time up in Montreal. He was in jail. Ah, uh, that's what it was. So, yeah, we don't know, like, what Hiram has business in Montreal for. We, that we don't really know what, where what that is. But where he's in jail? Or no, Montreal's in Canada, right? Yeah, so I feel yes, like they would have done that. Montreal is in French Canada. Shout out yeah. Gregory McBean. Hey, Gregory McBean. Hey, Greg! <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with this. This whole scene was kind of weird because I don't really get, like, who ratted Fred Andrews' romance out? Like, who knew about that besides Maybe Veronica? FP. Did anyone? But how would FP know about it? Like, I don't think I don't, he knew. I don't it know. Make it's a lot he of knew. Sense. He knew when he was talking None of it really Hermione. makes a lot of sense. Right, so I guess he did know. I don't know. Yeah, so that's definitely kind of the most, like, mysterious part. And then for the other kind of sad part of the episode, Polly and Betty are talking, and Polly's like, yeah, Hal was kicked out, but I don't know. I still don't know if I can go home. And Betty really wants her to come home, however, and instead, Polly goes to the Blossom House, and it's kind of 
ominous. Um, and it's really sad because Alice and, and Betty are upset about the situation and Alice is really crying. Like, she's lost two members of her family now. Yeah, it was a very, like, real, like, you really feel Alice's emotions there. It felt very real. Yeah, it's it's one of the first times I really sympathize with Alice, I think, because I think the show did a really good job over the first several episodes making us kind of dislike Alice. And I think she seems a little bit more like, yeah, she's hardcore, but she has good intentions. Yeah, it, I think it was a good part of, like, making her more well-rounded. Yeah. So that was really the end of the episode. The title of the episode, The Outsiders, comes from the 1967 novel by S.E. Hinton, which was turned into a 1983 film by Francis Ford Coppola. And it is about rivalry between two gangs, the poor greasers and the rich soches. That only heats up when one gang member kills a member of the other gang. And while I think that there are other episodes of Riverdale that sort of fit this theme a little bit better, I think that the sort of conflict between the North Side and the South Side is pretty prevalent here and uh, with, you know, gangs and whatnot and the sort of rich side and the poor side. Yeah, definitely fit. Have you? Now, I know I talked to Hannah about this before we started recording and she had not seen The Outsiders. Kirsten, have you read or seen The Outsiders? Uh, no, because it's not reality <laughs> television. Okay. Well, it's, it was, I think it was one of those, it was one of those things that I read when I was really little because, or not really little, but you know, in like 10, 11, 12 kind of age, because my mom had really liked the book when she was younger. And it's, uh, it's definitely a, a, I was going to say a cute story, but it's really not. It's, it's kind of, I mean, it's about gangs. It's kind of violent, but it is definitely for like a younger audience in terms of the like reading skill level, I guess. So maybe like middle school age kind of level, but yeah, the content is a little more serious. The movie's pretty good though it's got um patrick swayze in it oh well, I mean, that makes me want to watch it. <laughs> if you're into that, it's it's definitely like, it's a it's an interesting movie. But I remember my, my best story about The Outsiders was that in uh, in high school, I think I was in maybe like sophomore, junior year of high school, and I was in my English class. And for our final project, our teacher took us to these big, like, it was like a locker sort of thing in the school that housed a whole bunch of books and like multiple copies of different books that different classes would read as assignments. And so we were allowed to get in a group and we could pick any book from the sort of book locker and do various reports on it that include like drawing a picture and making a presentation and a movie and whatnot. And so I <laughs> was joking with my friends like, oh, we should read The Outsiders because it's like, a, I mean, it's a pretty short book and it's not difficult to read and it would be really quick. And like some teams were reading like Les Mis and stuff, like these big difficult books. And so I remember I brought it up to my teacher and I said like, oh, can we read The Outsiders? And she's like, ha, huh, sure. And so we took that as a yes and we did our whole report on it and like two weeks later we stand up to present on the outsiders and she's like wait a second you guys actually read that we're like yeah we asked you and she's like that's for like little kids and we're like oh well <laughs> you said we can read it so it was definitely the easiest project we ever did but and what grade funny. did you get on that report? i'm sure we got an a i mean we we did a good job we it was one of those projects you could like make a cd and like draw a picture it wasn't like a difficult i think we had to write a paper but it was like a group project so it wasn't hard anyway it was fun so we had a Close But No Cigar this episode. I did. I don't know if you guys caught it. Yeah, it was uh, from one of my least favorite sections of the episode, but it was something Veronica said. Yeah. Veronica says a lot of these. I think, like... Yeah, they give it to her a lot. They give it to her a lot. Maybe I think they just know that they're so cheesy and it just works well in her sort of, like, I'm a rich kid. I'm gonna say rich kid things. So she was talking about the difficulty between, uh, between being invited to both Elton John's Oscar party and the Vanity Flair Oscar party. So 
Vanity Flare. Okay, bye. I've got to go. <laughs> yeah, on the table. All right. Uh, was that the cringiest? Part I was of gonna the episode say this week? the bro I moment. Think the, yeah, that's what I was gonna say too. The nice bro whisper yep. is definitely the cringiest part of the episode, <laughs> and possibly of every episode. All right, I'm glad we're on the same page for that because I really, really hated that. Okay, great. Who was the most normal person this week? I was gonna go with Hermione for not wanting to be in the same room with Penelope and Alice. Hmm. I mean, that's not a bad call. Yeah, I'm trying to think if anybody was more normal. Hmm. No well, one comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, Jughead was pretty normal, I guess, because he just wanted to help his girlfriend out. Yeah. Bughead did just win, though. Betty wasn't very normal. I don't think Polly was very normal. Can I just note that on episode uh, five, we gave it to Trev, and I still that's I Val's keep brother. Who Trev is. <laughs> I know. He's just so normal and un- <laughs> unforgettable. So He's probably the most normal person of this episode too I'm yeah sure maybe he was Val's there. the most normal sure. <laughs> actually no because Archie left her yeah, yeah. she was she should have left like if she had been like uh okay I guess I'll just go myself and like jumped out the window or something like climbed down a tree or whatever I assume like Archie's not allowed to have girls in his room and so she like has to sneak out yeah but but Fred is just Fred's just well, the third they just have to leave the door cracked he's not gonna shut it all the way oh there was something oh my goodness guys I can't believe we missed it Fred talks about how much he tries in the heart to heart moment with Archie he's talking about oh I tried so hard to build a family and that didn't work out I tried to make a living for you and me and set us up but the jury's still out on that one I feel like if we were if we were the kind of people famous enough to make merch we would have a shirt that said something about the Andrews men they try (laughs) or something wow can we get shirts just for us that have like a frocket that says try yeah (laughs) oh my gosh anyway all right, I think Hermione was probably a good pick. Yeah, I think that was a great pick. Hannah always is good at pinpointing who's normal. I think with just, well, maybe she's the most normal <laughs> of the podcast. I think that is certainly true. Yeah, I, I think something about her talking with Alice in sort of that moment where she was talking about, like, mothers do it every day. She'll be fine. We just need to support her. I think that was a really good normal person yeah. kind of moment. I think that's a good call. So we got a review a little while ago back in April. April 25th so we've been saving it to read on the podcast do not forget about it but it was related to season one so we wanted to read it now there is a small piece of this review that I'm going to edit out of the reading just because it is a little bit spoilery for season three so I'm just going to cut that part out but it is apparently this review is by cow with a k so (laughs) it was not me I like (laughs) the name though that's cute no when I leave names it's under frail mary generally or when I relieve reviews um anyway so Cow with a K says, best commentary, five stars. The Riverdale recap brought me back to Riverdale just after just watching the four episodes when it first came out. I love the running jokes, light, redacted because of spoilers, sponsor codes, and Kirsten's burning hatred for Archie. Kirsten and Mary and Hannah always brighten my day with their funny banter and care with discussing serious topics. A must listen for Riverdale fans. And then it says to Kirsten and Mary, please do Sabrina during the off season, maybe. Well, it really depends if we get an off-season. We don't have an off-season, but I would love to talk about 
about Sabrina. <laughs> I need to watch Sabrina first. Uh, it's so. so Season two of Sabrina is some of the craziest television I've ever seen. And I'm speaking as someone who's watched every episode <laughs> of Riverdale. Yeah, but is it a fever dream? <sighs> it <sighs> is at times, but like in a good way. Oh my gosh. I anyway. love Sabrina. I love Sabrina. Anyways, thank you, Cal with a K, for leaving us a nice review. You're the best. We love you. And if other people want our undying love and affection, then they should probably leave us a five-star review too. Yes, please do. And if you leave it in Canada, I can see it now. So then we can read it on the podcast. All right, everyone. That's all for today's episode. Thank you for joining us. And we will be back next time for our recap of episode nine, my favorite episode of Riverdale. (laughs) Until then, you can follow me online at Frail Mary on every platform. And if you're interested, you can check out the other podcasts we do. If you are up to date, you can skip ahead to the Riverdale season three stuff. That's a trip. And if not, you can just wait with us while we go through season one and two. You can follow Kirsten online at Kirsten said what and you can follow Hannah at hannahve.exe on Instagram. Now we are going to jump into our spoiler section so if you'd like to keep listening feel free. Spoiler time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yup. Spoiler time. Get it out. This out. Leave. 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 So one thing that I noticed, I don't remember even what part of the episode it's at, but someone makes a joke about boxing, like making fun of boxing. And I laughed so hard that I died and no, had to come I back to I did not life. realize that the boxing punchaholic plotline was foreshadowed way back in season one when Kevin is talking about how he doesn't want to do team sports because he likes individual competitive activities I such as boxing. Wrestling. Now, he oh. says boxing. Which is shocking because he does. I wrestling totally just read that as wrestling. I was like, two. "What part are you guys talking about?" No, he actually says boxing, which was crazy. This actually foreshadows that mm. it, Mr. Keller being a boxing coach and Archie's like whole thing. Like, I never would have noticed this before, but th- I heard the word boxing and I was like, "Alarm bells!" But I'm kind of sad that we don't get some of Kevin actually boxing. Kevin's probably really good because he's yeah. good at wrestling and like he's been trained his whole life. I have a couple thoughts. Mostly I want to stop down and talk about Alice. I'm sure we've done this in the past, but wow, do I miss old Alice. So much. Like, ugh, I miss her so much. And I know that by the end of season three, by the finale, we find out that maybe old Alice has been around more than we thought, but it's just not the same as seeing her in action. How do we feel about her comment at the shower where she says, this is occultism at its most ludicrous you're right. I did like that. I liked it. I googled the word occultism because Stop. I wasn't sure if that was exactly the same as cult. Well, it's not exactly the same as like cult. No, it's like supernatural. Right. Except like it's because still the farm ironic. had the floating baby, and um, we still don't have that understanding. Yeah. Right. It's not even the most like occult thing that's happened to these babies. <laughs> Like, like, I need answers. Yeah. (laughs) I know that this is not the time or place. Somebody explain the baby's floating in the fire. You wrote that scene. Please make it make sense. Is this our new thing? We're not doing we're not doing sponsored plugs anymore. We're just Oh, we'll doing be that. doing both. I just I only do a sponsored plug when the moment feels right, you know? <laughs> okay, great. Anyway. Like if anyone's looking for a subscription <laughs> to Vanity Flare, use your promo code Cow with a K. <laughs> Can we have t-shirts that say Cow with a K? Because I kinda like that too. That'll be our first piece of merch for our Patreons that don't exist. I was gonna say we already have our first piece of merch and it's the Kowski cast reverse 
Riverdale recap mug that you sent me as a housewarming gift. <laughs> You're right. I don't even. Which I you should really make one, make one for, for Hannah too. I know. I don't even have one for myself. I should really make oh. one for Hannah. Um, and you. Yeah. Hopefully, I can find that um that design somewhere though. <laughs> I'm sure you can. It's just like on one side it's the logo that you designed, and on the other side it's the Kowski Cast logo. Like you'll be able great. to make it again. Just remember, red on the inside, <laughs> and then it will be the same as mine. Okay. Great. Yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> I'll get right on that. And if anyone else wants a mug, let me know, but I'm going to charge you for it. Um, anyway, yeah, so how do we feel about the fact that two seasons later, Hal is still, like, a main villain? I mean, not anymore, because he's dead now, but, like, they, <laughs> up through season three. I just, like, I feel like they, like, they gave us these scenes where we're supposed to not like Hal, but they did not prepare me at all for him being, like, a big bad and a serial killer. And then this, him talking about how much he, like, hates Blossom Blood, but, like, he totally has an affair with Penelope. She's technically like, not Blossom yeah. Blood. Which, like, I guess technically, yeah, technically she doesn't have the blood, but, like, does he know that? I, like, uh, at what point did he find that out? Like, obviously, they probably started their affair before he knew about her, like, weird childhood issues. So, like, he's just a hypocrite. Well, we can get to a lot of the discontinuity with the finale of season three and stuff that happens during season two. When we get to season two, because I was rewatching some middle season episodes of season two, and boy, does a lot of what Penelope said not make sense so we'll get to that oh boy something to look forward to yeah but in terms of how it's kind of weird because when you look at his character arc over three seasons this season you sort of have like first him kind of being like you know like just the normal suburban dad him and betty work on cars together he seems relatively normal but he definitely lies because we find that he lies about like polly trying to kill herself and then like hid the whole baby thing and now we have the whole like abortion subplot but he he still seems like a like a uh, I mean, he's he's crazy in this obsession anti-Blossom stuff, but he seems like a sane character. I don't know. He still seems real. Then season two, it's like he's very closed off and he's this serial killer. And I'm not really talking about the scenes we see him. I'm talking about the scenes where he is the Black Hood. Like he's just very like no feeling robotic. And I know that's because we're not supposed to know who he is at that yeah, point. Yeah, but like but... it's a, that's another example, which like obviously we'll get to when we talk season two of them like foreshadowing stuff, but not actually doing it well so then it's harder to figure out if that makes sense yeah exactly yeah and then and then season three he's he's kind of him and betty have a normal relationship again but then he tries to kill her it's it's just very i think sometimes they don't know what to do with him much like how they don't know what to do with hermione sometimes yeah a hundred percent yeah and you know i also thinking about the farm and polly in season three i know we gave polly a lot of crap in season three about like joining the cult and being crazy and being weird and stuff but you know she did have her fiance die and leave her while she was pregnant that's so, like, some trauma kind of also she was already going to be joining this cult which is the weird part like i want to know how that came up she's young and impressionable where did know. she hear about the farm how did jason meet the where did jason find out about the farm how did he know because this leads me to believe that like the farm has been in the riverdale area for quite a while whereas the impression that i got from season three is that they jumped town to town quite a bit but that means they've been in this general area for a while which is also like kind of confusing do you think that do you think that in season four we will get maybe some more information behind why polly first joined the farm and how she found out about it i would like that but i don't 
think we will. <laughs> Hannah has no faith. Hannah, you don't have faith in <laughs> Kirsten's writing abilities. Okay, so I'm going to figure it out right now. Okay, so Jason was upset that the families were fighting. So he went um, on a spirit quest and he took a lot of peyote and there was a fire and he had like a spirit dream that guided him to the farm and Edgar Evernever. Um, and then he found them and he made this plan and then he got murdered. My favorite. You're welcome. Um, my favorite headcanon is that the farm started in that farm from season three of the Smallville <laughs> farm. I, I'm sorry. When we got the preview for that episode and there was an actual farm in it, I was like, oh, it's oh, they're going to the farm. No, it was just a totally unrelated farm that has nothing to do with anything. No, because the farm is a body farm. So not a body farm, an organ farm. Different thing. They're did harvesting. Did we talk about body organs. farms? We did talk about body farms. It's like this moment where like I got really excited and you were really horrified. <laughs> no, I know. I know a lot about body farms too. So, but okay. I was like, oh my God, body farms are the coolest thing ever. And Hannah yeah. was like, <laughs> I'm a normal person. Why is this happening to me? <laughs> yes. Okay. This is not a podcast about our own podcast. It's, it's like not? we're doing we're doing a retrospective on our own podcast because it's been so long. <laughs> So uh, the scene of Archie and Jughead playing video games is like the only scene in the entire show where they actually seem to be friends. And there's so many elements of this episode where they're like talking while they're working at the construction site. And at the end of the episode, they're like, oh, we're bro whispers. But like, what? This is it. Besides this episode, they're never friends ever on Riverdale ever. Oh, I guess except I when they go the, to the farm that the one time. Birthday the birthday Smallville farm party. I think they were kind of friends there. Or like there was some some aspect to it. No, but Archie's all... Archie's all like uh he's like drinking and he's angsty about I don't remember <laughs> who could know yeah it's just it's weird because it's another one of those things where they tell us all the time that they're best friends but then they don't show us that that much often. like Betty and Veronica yeah also with this scene Fred uh comes in and talks about the construction and says oh sorry Jug I know it's a sore spot for you and Jug's like oh it's fine as long as you're building something beautiful in place to drive in so can a prison be beautiful hey they have so Sweetwater Riverfront <laughs> views. <laughs> you're right. You're right. In the uh, whatever yeah. the fancy suites. I had I called. had that thought too, where I was like, "Oh, how's he gonna feel about this prison? Not good." Yeah. Uh, wow. I like. I can't even believe that back in season one, we didn't know what the Sodale project was. Like, I don't think we find out until like, the <gasps> middle of season two, middle end it's, of season yeah, two. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a big reveal in the mid season finale. Like, I don't yeah. think we get I it. I just for a while. now figured out that Sodale stands for South Riverdale. Wow. Shut up. Wow, where have you been? You've watched three they seasons don't, of Riverdale. I, Tweet at us, hashtag I stand with Hannah, if you also do not okay, know that. Okay, I think it's like Hannah spelled with I think four it's N's like this, and one the H. the SoCal thing, where it's like, I just don't do the combination. Like, so Mary and I live in Virginia, and everyone likes to say Nova for Northern Virginia. But we come for areas where you're not really combining the, like, region and the state. So it just doesn't click with me as much, I think. Yeah, I couldn't get used to that whole nova thing because like when where i lived in central virginia that siva we call, like yeah senva yeah siva or whatever huh. um, which would just get really confusing from seaville yeah. which is charlottesville anyway whatever well that's why you just figured out why yeah i don't know <laughs> anyway so jughead also quotes the play no exit and he says hell is other people no exit coincidentally is the name of season three episode nine so boom, boom. hell is other people <laughs> hell is other people 
<laughs> Which is a true fact. Yeah. Okay, so in the moment where Veronica calls out that Jughead and Betty are dating now, and Archie has like a little bit of a moment where he kind of seems a little awkward with the whole situation, I think this is back when the show was still considering the possibility of a Betty-Archie plotline, like of having them be a potential couple. Like I think, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the fact that the show has fostered these real-life relationships with, you know, Cole Sprouse and Lily Reinhart and f- further on now with Camille Mendez and um, Charles Melton. I love that and I think that their on-screen chemistry is really great, but I do kind of wish that we had tried a little bit more of this, a little more of Archie dating multiple people and I'm a little bit burnt out with the whole, like, they've chosen two couples and gone endgame with them for the most part. I mean, I know we had a little bit more with Veronica, but I mean, with Betty, they never even really tried. Besides what, episode two, one and two? And then that one episode where they kiss in season two? And that's like it. Yeah, I feel like it's also one of those things where it's like, I think they knew that they didn't want to do that as a plot point, but they also didn't want to like completely move past that without addressing it, if that. I just think it's one of the strongest, not the strongest, but it's one of the key elements of the comics and they kind of didn't. It's it's not a key element of the comics. It's the only element of the comics. Like literally the entire series is Betty versus Veronica. And I'm pretty sure that even when it came time in the comics for him to make a choice, I think they have two alternate timelines, one where he picked either. That that could be wrong, but but I I feel like you're referencing it's not even very clear that it's him being uncomfortable with Jughead and Betty being a thing. Like I didn't even catch that. I think I'm just looking for it. (laughs) I think it's just an awkward moment and we're just trying to desperately find meaning for it and there's none. Maybe. But I I mean you notice like there's there's several moments in this episode where Fred mentions the fact that Archie is dating Valerie and you know they they do like Archie being this I mean for lack of a better word player but this kind of this guy who's just obsessed with dating people and and can't stick with a person for very long that's a huge part of his character and it's all up in the fan fictions if you'd like to read those so I wish I had one to suggest but I forgot all the names of all of them except for I was gonna say you you only have one recommendation for a Riverdale fan fiction I'm gonna look let me just real quick I read it and I don't trust your fan fiction recommendations let me let me see let me see if I can find some that I like let's see college student sheltered service hmm do I have any that are at all appropriate Not really, but just to give some people a different option besides the serpent and his prom queen, which I still recommend. Serpent Kiss is another good one. Um, Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's one. Serpent Kiss by Crash Hale. Cool. I'm not going to read the summary, but thanks, Crash Hale. I hope you listen to this (laughs) podcast so you know that you got a shout out. If anyone would like to write some Riverdale fanfiction and send it my way, please do. So the whole serpent issue is another one. I just like I felt sad watching this and especially the scene when they go to the white worm when the serpents were mysterious scary not teenagers and Jughead was but if the they leader. were really scary would Archie <sighs> have been okay with just going up to a random one and confronting him but, but I guess scary is not really what I mean but like they're a legit biker gang here they're not a legit biker gang when it's just Sweet Pea and, and Fangs Pe- and Tony Peaches and the other one. Jughead. oh yeah so that was the other thing is that and Peaches you know, it's like, oh, are there any other gangs? It's like, well, now there are three gangs, but they're all kind of pitiful. Actually, technically. But they're actually, there's like almost four. They're like clubs. They're like cliques. Yeah. They're not gangs. Yeah. This is a gang. This is a biker gang. Well, and there's like adults. Mm-hmm. 
where are these adults in season three? I think a like, lot of them died. In the riots? Like, didn't they say like 80% or something of the serpents oh, wow. died in the riots? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I forgot about the riots. <laughs> Looking forward to covering that. Yeah. Great. <laughs> anyway, back to the Riverdale riot. Um, so season three, all the season three plot lines really seem to be just mostly about kids. It's, it's about the, the kids, the, Mary. It's, a, it's about the kids. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just it, like the, our, the adults, even the individual adults seem so cartoony because the adults are like Hiram or uh, Edgar Evernever. Like they're they're just individual singular bad guy villains. And that's pretty much it. The Black Hood. And, and even season two does at least a little bit better a job with having some adults still in the serpents and stuff. But yeah, season one is just such a different vibe than season two and three, I think. Well, and I think general. that's where... Yeah, for sure. I think that's where we're talking about how season one seemed to be better defined as a whole unit where there is some continuity at least within the season but now as it's gone on it seems like it's been more episodic writing and they're not necessarily caring as much about the continuity of everything yeah definitely so another piece of interesting sort of foreshadowing i saw was the line when fp is talking about how he may not be a perfect father but he's not a killer i think that actually really foreshadows the fact that jason's father oh that was something else at the end um yeah penelope mentions that oh you'll be safe here but she's literally walking into the house of jason's killer yeah well i don't think penelope knows that but but yeah it's it's it is very ominous a lot of stuff and that's and that's something that you were saying i think they really knew the writers knew they knew the plot they knew the full beginning middle and end of this season before they wrote it and it's so apparent in seasons two and especially season three when you're watching it that they are making up stuff as they go along or at the very least it seems like they have only really written out three or four episodes at a time ahead you know of where I'm they busy, okay? <laughs> you do your best, Kirsten. You try. I try, okay? I'm a yeah, regular you, Andrews man. You're like an Andrews man. Um, <laughs> we'll have to see when Molly Ringwood pops in if she tries at all, if she ever says that. We should keep a lookout, see if it's full Andrews family. Yeah. Maybe that's why she left the family, because she wasn't trying hard enough. Yeah. The the last two things I have, another thing with FP, is that scene that when he takes a drink and he says, we've all got a part to play, even me. Really, at the time when I watched it the first time, I really thought that he was like pretending to be an alcoholic because of that scene. Like I thought he was saying like, I'm playing my part and I have become an alcoholic. Basically, I have pushed my son away for this role in whatever I'm doing. Yeah. I, well, and I feel like that's true. Like that feels right to me, especially because like in the later seasons, we don't really see FP drinking that much. Like it's like he was forcing himself for this part. And then the other thing is in the uh, Midnight Club episode, you see when he makes the transition to becoming a serpent originally is like he cracks a beer and that's like symbolic so i think that's fair yeah poor kid um and then uh last couple things who ratted out the romance to hiram did we ever find that out like that that's there's a couple things that i'm a little bit foggy on with season one why did this happen why was hiram trying was it really he he sent some people to beat up moose and like attack fred andrews site even though fred andrews is working for him essentially that part seems weird i think it came from where he didn't agree to having andrews construction do this job and so he maybe wanted to like ruin that company so that the company he wanted would do the work. Yeah, I guess that makes sense there. And then the last one is Alice saying, I think by now you know what I'm capable of to Hal when she is kicking him out of the house. I think this is just a complete red herring. I don't think she really has done anything. Like, what is she talking about? I think by now you know what I'm capable of. Unless she's just talking about when she sent Betty or uh, Polly to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. It seems like that was a joint decision in her life. Though, even that part of it. So, yeah, I mean, unless she's talking about the fact that she like used to be a serpent and was 
has a little rough around the edges. Like, I'm not really sure what she's talking about here. It, they, they, it just seems like something the writers put in to try and be like, ooh, Alice might have killed Jason. It could just be her vindictive era, aura or the fact that she would be willing to drag him through the mud even if it meant that she would go through the mud too. But I think I think you're onto something with the something serpents. Something like that. It probably has to do with that. Uh, wow. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, on the upside of season two, at least we get the scene with her wearing the red I thought that was leopard uh, outfit. I can't wait. I cannot wait to see Alice Cooper just walk into that party like she knows that she is the baddest Valchi in the entire world. I'm sorry. Just, just a word that starts with B. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to bleep that forever. with ship name or not. I probably will. <laughs> no, we're allowed to say Valchi. Someone say one. Hey, uh, Hannah, can you say a ship name for me so I can No, Hannah, that? don't do it. Don't fall for her traps. Say you can uh, You can Veggie. go with Varchi or what's, what's oh. Val and Archie? Is that Varchi? Oh, yeah. Maybe. What would Val and Archie be? <laughs> Vlarchi? Oh, that sounds Vla- terrible. Vlarchi? Valchi? Um, Allery? Arch- archery? Al. Oh, no. <laughs> Anyways, Al. how about we stop with the ship names and just admit that we're allowed to say the word Valchi? I don't think so. I think we can bleep that out. We can talk about abortion, but we can't say the word. You've let me say Valchi? Before. I know, but that's when I got lazy. And I'm already going to have to edit this whole two-hour podcast, so we'll see. Anyway, uh, all right. <laughs> all right, everyone. I think that's it. I think we've cracked. I think we're done. So Yeah, we are cracked. Us. Yeah. Uh, sorry this took so long to come out thank you for your patience I'm so excited that we have a whole bunch of new listeners who found us either through Rob and Akiva Need a Podcast or some other means thank you very much welcome to the party welcome to the Kowski Cast family welcome to the fever dream <laughs> yeah welcome to the fever dream exactly that should be a thing and thanks please leave any questions or comments on episode 9 on Twitter for us and we will make sure to mention those in our next podcast all right talk to you later bye freaking no what you think i remember an episode of riverdale just cut it out okay great juice great you great great (laughs) good to know (laughs)